I feel like Jonah reading today's lesson from Mark. Jonah in the first part of the story of Jonah. The Jonah before the Jonah we meet in chapter 3, where he merrily responds to God and does as he is asked. I'm back with Jonah in chapter 1, crawling into the belly of the boat. My initial reaction to today's gospel lesson is that I don't like it. I don't like thinking about being a fisher of people because, frankly, I don't have any interest in catching people. Catching people sounds like the colonial mindset that abused our sacred texts and misused them for colonial purposes, and how fundamentalist mindset continue to do so today. I have a whole body visceral reaction to this. However, is this what the author of Mark is communicating about Jesus? After spending time with the passage, I don't think so. I think what I've just described are all of my own fears and assumptions I brought with me while reading the text. Our passage today lands in the early portion of the first chapter, and it is necessary to look at what comes before and then what comes after the text. In the opening verses of Mark, we hear, the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ the Son, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make the Lord's path straight. Here we have major statements being made, major parameters being identified to the purpose of the author's writing, one of which is the establishment of a narrative that will be based on the way. So it's interesting because rather than the birth of the infant Jesus narrative, we have a birth of the way narrative. What way? The way of Christ. The way of discipleship the way of living according to Christ rather than oneself or other principalities and powers that vie for our attention, the way that builds the kingdom of God, a way that is shaped by believing, by putting one's faith in something other than ourselves, something other than what what the world tells us, a world that constantly pits us against one another, with comparisons, with money, with material accumulation, pitting us against ourselves, our own selves, in many ways. A way shaped by trusting, trusting Christ. And as trust deepens and grows, actions follow. A way that is shaped by repentance, not solely in the confessional sense, but more in the turning towards Christ's sense, in the changing sense, where all of the elements of one's life, attitudes, thoughts, behaviors, change, turn towards Christ. Living in the way of Christ would have the outgoing president attending, showing up for the incoming president's inauguration. Living in the way of Christ allows us to love one another, and this love is manifest right now in wearing masks, following the guidelines, and keeping each other safe. 
and in the spaces we're allowed to accept that we all have different comfort levels and to respect one another with where we're at. Living in the way of Christ allows and calls for apologizing, having the difficult conversations you don't want to have. Living in the way of Christ asks for dialogue with people you don't agree with, listening to other perspectives, and not insisting on one way. No easy tasks. These are actions of trust, trusting that God goes before us, trusting that we are loved, living in a way where we don't make ourselves All the self-help and positive thinking books in the world can only go so far. They don't speak to our souls, to our hearts. God does. Christ does. Is this a way full of unicorns and rainbows where only the sun shines? No, this is a way that is real, that is authentic, where we experience and feel grief, anger, pain, sorrow, and joy, jubilation, and euphoria. And the good news, God's grace upon grace, is that we do not do this alone. God is with us. We have the way of Christ before us. And we aren't even actually required to know how to do it, how to live this way. It's been highlighted that the author of Mark would have been influenced by literary forms, by philosophers, by stories that he would have been familiar with and people of the day would have been familiar with, such as Socrates, even though Socrates was prior to this time, they would have been familiar. And Socrates said to his disciple, Xenophan, follow me and learn. And the parallel to our passage is obvious in the words, follow me, in the implied meaning of learn. We are simply asked to follow and learn. The author of Mark writes in a way that is dramatic. He captures his readers' attention with metaphors they would have been familiar with. The fishing metaphor was used by other philosophers, and it would have been a way of sustenance, a way of living. The drama the author crafts creates a sense of urgency, a sense of immediacy, and the word immediately shows up in the other Gospels, but not to the extent that it does in Mark. Mark's always throwing in immediately's. As readers, we're swept up in the hurricane of immediacy, and I'm I'm always slightly annoyed by the image of Simon and Andrew leaving their nets immediately and James and John immediately being called and leaving their father. And I'm thinking, really? Can you really actually do that? Is that a reasonable request, Jesus, that we're just going to pick up and abandon everything in our lives to follow you? On the one hand, the literal hand, no, although for some, such as St. Francis, that would be a yes. And on the other hand, the metaphorical one, Well, actually, yes. The author of Mark purposely uses these literary devices to convey the extent to which one is changed 
when one follows Christ. Perhaps this occurs immediately for some, and for others, I think it is a process. It is a learning that continually occurs and reoccurs. And even for those that it is immediately occurring, it's still a lifelong process. Follow me and learn, and I will make you. Let us recall a very small yet critical word in Jonah's chapter 3 story today. Second, for the second time, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. A few summers ago, the kids attended a half-day, week-long summer camp at Knox Presbyterian, led by the wonderful Reverend Teresa Charlton, where the theme was the story of Jonah, and the kids brought home some picture frames they had made with the words, Second Chance. And I hear that in the way of the Lord. We are learning. We are following each and every day. We are being made. And does that mean we don't make mistakes? By no means, no. Mistakes are necessary for growth and learning. Discipleship is a commitment and a process. It is a waking up each day and putting one foot in front of the other, of following Christ, of learning from and in Christ. The good news, the amazing life-changing news, is that we are on the way, that we continually repent. We continually convert our ways, even after we've been baptized, even after we've had the epiphany of meeting Christ. It's a process. So it's not about catching us to become something we're not. It's about catching us to become our full selves, the way God sees us. It's about catching us to live, to live a life that is real, that is authentic. So I ask you, what is going on in your life that needs to be let go, that's preventing you from walking the way of Christ? What mindsets and assumptions do you have that prevent you from living in the way of Christ? What do you need to do to prepare, your, to prepare the way for God to enter your heart? And where in your life are you Jonah, back in chapter 1, the Jonah crawling away from God into the bottom of the boat? Follow me and learn, and I will make you. Thanks be to God.